You're listening to Nowhere to Run with Chris White on the Revelations Radio Network. What's up? Welcome to Nowhere to Run. I want to do a show, uh, kind of a topical thing here, about suffering and suffering well. I heard on a radio broadcast the other day, it was uh, like Focus on the Family or something like that, and the guy was uh, some sort of Christian marriage expert or whatnot, and he was like, the reason why all these marriages are failing is because people don't have a worldview that embraces suffering. And I thought that was pretty profound, and it's something that I think about a lot, and it's something that I think helps not just marriages, but almost every aspect of our life would be revolutionized if we had a more biblical concept of suffering and embracing of suffering. And I think part of that first is to understand that the Bible does, in fact, teach not just to deal with sufferings or uh, anything, but to to literally embrace sufferings. And in order to do that, of course, I'm going to read a few verses here. But I've got about three or four verses I want to read. James 1 is a, is a really famous one. It says in verses 2 through 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let the patience have its perfect work. The word testing there is the idea, we'll see it later on in the King James, it's used to like a trial in the sense of tried by fire, purified perhaps is how we might understand it better. You put, uh, you refine something, not necessarily test it to see how it does, but rather a testing in the sense of refining. And here it produces patience. There's a, the temporal outcome is that God wants to produce in us patience. And we'll see that kind of in the next verse too, that there's a temporal benefit from these sufferings, and that's why the call to count it all joy is is there second corinthians 1 4 through 5 says who comforts us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by god for as the sufferings of christ abound in us so our consolation also abounds through christ so this is an interesting one because it, it tells us that part of the reason sometimes we go through sufferings is to be able to better understand and comfort those who are, who go through the same sufferings. Um, many of you that may have gone through tough times in your life, um, you're being able to em- empathize with those people that have gone through similar things. Sometimes that's the, the best route for you to have gone. And that explains a great deal of a lot of evil things that happen in the world to us is that we can then go and be ministers to those people who have gone through similar things. And this verse is a great one to go to for that. Um, this is a good one. Second Corinthians four sixteen through 18 says, Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. This verse here, uh, it's working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. This one I like too because it shows that he's 
we're going through sufferings not just to have temporal benefits, to be able to minister to other people or to work in ourselves patience. The conforming to the image of Christ, which is spoken of in the famous verses, Romans 8, 28 and 29, which I'm actually not going to be quoting, but extremely relevant verses, they work together for good to conform us to the image of Christ, but not just so that we can be conformed to the image of Christ here on earth, but for an eternal uh, and, and lasting weight of glory that we have um, more going on than just what is here and now. I think the here and now on this in this body as believers, the testing and the, the trials that, that God puts us through are to to make us what we normally wouldn't do on our own. Unfortunately, uh, we humans don't learn the easy way. And we know this in every aspect of life. I mean, we could, you know, a, a Marine doesn't become a Marine just by signing the, the paper. The Marine go, becomes a Marine through the very difficult uh, process of the, the training or boot camp or whatever it is that they go through. Uh, it's a very difficult and elite program because of the very difficult uh, process to become one. And I think that's somewhat of a good example of what's happening here. But it's not just that we become that here. Some people don't become that here. But I think this is kind of the, the growing ground for us, that we have an eternal destiny with eternal things going on that I don't even know how awesome it's going to be. But I don't think it's just plain harps and whatever in heaven. It says, no eyes seen, no ear has heard, no mind has comprehended what God has in store for those that love him. Paul says, know ye not that you'll judge angels. Uh, Mike and I are still trying to figure out what exactly that means. But the point I'm trying to make is that there's more for us to do as co-heirs with Christ, as sons of God. We are, uh, he's, he's gathering for himself a people zealous for good works, as Titus says, that choose to love him for some purpose. And I think that we go through things because uh, he's he's conforming us to the image of Christ. Um, anyway, I like that verse for that reason. It shows it's more than just t- temporal learning, but we have a an eternal learning that we're also being tested for. And I think that's where a lot of the, the calls for rejoicing um, are, are coming from. I love the next verse for that reason in, in Romans 5. 3 through 4 it says and not only that but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope um glory is a pretty interesting word here again but to glory in tribulations is is similar to James who says to joy in it and again for the same reason because it produces these things in our life here it says perseverance and perseverance character and character hope so we could do a study just on this verse alone to look at the in-depth reasons of the various things that, that that it produces but it always produces what we need and i think sometimes we go and i, I don't think this is true in every case but sometimes people go through trials that i think they would get out of quicker if they would just learn the lesson from it but I think that sometimes because people are like have this idea that, you know, everything's all wrong with the world and this can't be right. And, you know, they're so, somewhat bitter and even angry with God or, or, or whatever because they're going through various situations. They're not learning the lesson. Um, 
And I think that comes from an understanding of, of a verse that I'm going to read, might as well read now, uh, from 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 11. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we cannot carry anything out. And having food and raiment, there, uh, having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptations and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. I think maybe this is part of the problem: is that we haven't been okay with just having food and raiment, and been therewith content. We aren't therewith content, and because of that, as it says, we were. It's snared by foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction. That's a lot of times what's happening. And we're try- he's trying to break that from us in a, in a lot of ways, especially us in the West who are somewhat entitled to a lot of things. But I'll tell you, the most liberating thing that you could ever do is to be okay with the worst case scenario. And for practical purposes, I mean two things by the worst case scenario and being okay with it. On the one hand, I mean death. I mean, that's the worst case scenario and you need to be okay with that. I mean, and that's, I think, the language that the New Testament writers are often using. That And they did all die. I mean, with the possible exception of John, uh, who probably wasn't martyred, they all were and they on all the people that they wrote to were i mean peter pours his heart out we're going to read i think next uh, that he's writing in, in to people that are being killed but the astounding thing is this rejoicing in it uh, romans 8 you know the, this chapter that we all love to quote you know for all things work together for good for those that love the lord and are, are called according to his purpose the verses preceding that are just bloody terrible verses we're being killed all the day long and yet this hope in the resurrection, the empty tomb, they can't do anything to you as a believer. They can kill your body, but that's it. And so anyway, on one hand, I, I mean, yes, death is the worst case scenario. I'm being okay with that. But in another sense, I mean the worst, worst case scenario in the food and raiment sense. And it's so liberating because everything else is a joy and gives glory to God and is an opportunity for rejoicing and as opposed to, uh, you know, bitterness. If you can get back down to the fact that, praise God, I have food and raiment. If you could write on a piece of paper all the things that you have and the blessings that you have. And and th- this one thing has really, really shapes a lot of the way I think about things. In one sense, I think it is because the... The death issue, I, in in a lot of ways, I feel like I've um, already kind of sealed my fate. Sort of, you know, um, if everything that I'm saying is even halfway true, then you know, the, the, there's probably not a good outlook for for me in the future. I mean, as far as martyrdom or whatever way it's going to come. I mean. I would be glad if it didn't end like that. But there's a part of me that just knows it will. So, and that happened a long time ago when I decided to do this at first. Granted, I probably had a sort of different view of of how it would all come down or whatnot back then. But that moment still happened. And I think I've been, in one sense, just dead a long time. And so everything else is 
gravy. Everything else is good. Every day that I have is a good day. And, um, and that's a liberating thing when you're not entitled to anything, when you don't deserve anything, but you're just happy to be here and happy to have food and raiment, something that most of your brothers and sisters from most of history, uh, have only had and, and have had, you know, I mean, we're, we're in a different time period and see things through our lenses, but, um, few more verses uh, about that first peter who talks a lot about this in terms of martyrdom and stuff says if you in this you greatly rejoice throw now for a little while if need be you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it be tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of jesus christ again he's talking about he's talking to people that are about to die and he's saying look the resurrection the empty tomb they they can kill your body, but we've already won. The, the, they were serious about the resurrection when they said the blessed hope. You, you know they were they were really hoping in that. Um, and I think we've kind of lost sight of that blessed hope, the the powerful uh, comfort and boldness we can have from an empty tomb in uh, in that area of the Galilee. Uh, one more verse here, Second Corinthians 12, 9 says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I think this is another aspect to suffering, that it's, it's through hindrances that keep us um, humble. Uh, it's It's... Good, it's a good thing to not have what you want. It's a good thing not to have that, that job that pays that much money. It's a good thing not to, to, uh, sometimes be cured for, for different things. God's economy is sometimes exactly perfect. You know, if I had a lot of money, um, you know, it would be a different, I would be, as it says there in the many other foolish and hurtful lusts, you know, potentially could drown me in destruction. It says, you know, for the love of money is the root of all evil. While, uh, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Um, I say this sometimes, but God doesn't want to yank you out of bad times. He wants to go through them with you. There's always this choice that we make, like Job, when we go through bad times. We either say, you know, God, you're giving me this bad time because whatever reason, you're to blame, I curse you. You know, it's always a temptation, to, and that comes, I think, from the entitlement of, I deserve more, I deserve better, I deserve this, I don't deserve this. And there's this great temptation to curse God. And if you can fight that temptation to curse God and instead say, I want you to go through this with me. I want to embrace this suffering, but I need you to be here, and I need to lean on you. And I, in my leaning on you, I'm going to find out how strong you are. You know that silly thing about footprints that you see in, on people's, I don't know how silly it is, uh, but on, on you know the little thing, it was during those times I carried you, there's normally two footprints, but then there was only one footprint. When you go through those trials and, and you choose to do like Job did, 
And he, and he said, you know, though he slay me, yet I will trust him, that he knows what he's doing. He knows what's best for you. He's got a plan for your sufferings, whether if it's in this life to use that for some good or in the next life, in the sen- not in the reincarnation sense, but in our, our eternal life with him. Uh, whether Whatever it is, trust him with it and go through it with him. And you'll find out that it's in those times, if you make that choice, that he is very tangibly there. Uh, Hudson Taylor, in his spiritual secret book, that's his spiritual secret, that God, during those times, he speaks after he just lost his, his wife and, and, and I think it was two kids. And uh, he writes to his other kids saying, look, that it's it's I can't find how... She could be in any greater state than I am right now because of the comfort I needed uh, that God gave me in a very tangible sense. And he pleads with his children to come to know Christ and that he is as real as anything else. And he speaks from a place of, of clearly being in the in the very near presence of God and being comforted from all those situations. Very good book. If you've never read it, it's probably one of the most recommended books I can ever recommend to anybody out there it's one of the top i mean it's i recommend two books to people hudson taylor's spiritual secret and george Mueller's autobiography other than that i don't know what to tell you um but anyway so what i want to do now is just read a few quotes that i picked out uh that are about this i think sometimes it it's helpful to hear quotes from people um so i'll just do that here here's one from henry jm now, when I don't know who some of these people are, so don't get mad at me if they're like, you know, totally New World Order people or something like that. I don't think that they are. It says, we fail to see the place of suffering in the broader scheme of things. We fail to see that suffering is an inevitable dimension of life. Because we have lost perspective, we fail to see that unless one is willing to accept suffering properly, he or she is really refusing to continue in the quest for maturity. To refuse suffering is to refuse personal growth. Um, Oswald Chambers, in My Utmost for His Highest, the great devotional book there, says this, We all know people who have been made much meaner and more irritable and more intolerable to live with by suffering. It is not right to say that all suffering perfects. It It only perfects one type of person, the one who accepts the call of God in Christ Jesus. Uh, John Wesley said, The readiest way to escape from our sufferings is to be willing that they should endure as long as God pleases. David Wilkerson said, Jesus didn't save you so you could cruise to heaven in a luxury liner. He wants you to be useful in his kingdom. The moment you got saved, he enrolled you in his school, the school of suffering and affliction. C.S. Lewis uh, notes, The great thing with unhappy times is to take them bit by bit hour by hour, like an illness. It is seldom the present, the exact present, that is unbearable. Thomas Merton says, The truth that many people never understand until it's too late is that the more you try to avoid suffering, the more you suffer, because smaller things begin to torture you in proportion to your fear of suffering. So I guess the question is, are you going to embrace it or not? Um, Every season can be seen uh, as one that we can be shaped by. It's bigger than the here and now. God is shaping us for eternity. Our time here on earth uh, is our shaping for eternity. So let us learn from suffering and wholeheartedly embrace every wretched opportunity because we are going to live 
forever. I would also encourage everyone to make a list. Count, count your blessings, as it says. Um, and sometimes that helps put it all in perspective. I mean, what exactly do you have versus what are you, do you not have? Uh, I'm speaking to, to believers. I do think that if you aren't saved, and Romans 8.28, which says, All things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Um, unfortunately, that promise is just for the believers. You cannot be assured, if you're not saved, that all these things are working together to to refine you, to to turn you into a, a new creature, conform you to a better person. It's just not um, a part of everybody's life, but it certainly can be a part of your life. And I would just encourage you to lay down your rebellion, to to give your life to Christ, to follow him, as Lord, to believe that he died and was resurrected and repent, just change your mind about God, change your mind about sin. Um, you're not going to be able to clean yourself up, but he can clean you up from the inside if you will be willing uh, to change your mind about sin and change your mind about him. So I pray that you would consider that, consider going somewhere and talking it out with God and also joining this great this great uh, group of people that are being conformed to his image. Uh, Pilate said he could find nothing wrong with him. And I'm sure that if you read the Gospel of John, you would find nothing wrong with him too and find no reason not to follow him. So everybody, we will see you next week. If you want to, please continue to pray for me and my ministry here. And uh, we will see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Nowhere to Run. You can download all of the archives to this show and others I've done for free at NowhereToRunRadio.com. Your prayers and donations are needed and appreciated. You can partner with me to reach many more people with discipleship, apologetics, and the gospel. Go to Nowhere to Run Radio to help support this ministry. Thanks for your time. Yeah.